Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 77 of Brewers on Tap. We are from Toronto up in the Northland here in Canada as the Brewers opened up their first road trip of the season last night. We'll get into that in just a few seconds. Here's what's coming up on the podcast today. You're going to hear from first baseman Jesus Aguilar. You're going to hear from former Brewer left-hander and current commentator Jerry Augustine. We're going to talk 1982 with Jerry. And then Monte Harrison, Brewers prospect, currently in Wisconsin in Class A, trying to find a healthy year in 2017. He's going to join us on the podcast as well. Well, the Brewers have gone 3-3 three and three since we last spoke, highlighted by their first win of the year on Wednesday over the Rockies and an extra inning victory over the defending World Series champs, the Cubs, on Friday night. Willie Peralta, Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson have all pitched very well the first time through the rotation. Peralta got the ball for the second time this season last night in Toronto, and he went six innings, gave up just five hits, three earned runs, and he struck out seven in the process, continuing what's been a strong start to the 2017 campaign for Willie Peralta. The crew currently sits at 3-5 and five on the year. The Brewers also made a couple of roster moves since our last podcast, claiming utility man Nick Franklin from the Rays. And in the process, they designated Michael Blazik for assignment. He did clear waivers and was outrighted to Colorado Springs. In fact, he pitched last night for the Sky Sox. The Brewers also optioned left-handed pitcher Brent Suter to Colorado Springs with a bullpen that had seen a pretty good workload through the first week. Not really due to anything that Suter had done wrong that he got sent down. He'd actually pitched well. The Brewers just needed fresh arms. And the pitcher that they went with was David Goforth. He was not on the 40-man roster. Thus, it required a corresponding move. And that move was to designate right-hander Damian Magnifico for assignment. Okay, it's time to look back at 1982. The pitch to Cooper. Augie, this year's the 35th anniversary of the 1982 club. Was that the most fun you had in baseball as, as a professional? I think as a team, being a member of a team that way, yes. Uh, because right from the beginning after 1981, with the strike shortened year, and then we made it into the playoffs, got beat by the Yankees in five games. Everybody went home that year and came back with the idea that we had to do something special. And it was up to each individual to make the team better. And I, I think when you talk about team-wise, most definitely was a, was the most fun year because everything was done as a team. It wasn't about an individual. Everybody always talks about how close that group was and, and all the, the pranks and the fun that you had as a group. That's one of those things that I think we all take for granted. We think everybody has fun like that. It's, that's not always the case. And so when you have something like that, it's pretty special. You want to hold on to it. Well, it is. And, you know, you got to look at, at the team. And, you know, uh, we did an interview with Robin Young. He said, if you really look at the team, were we really close? Probably not outside the ballpark. I, I think there were groups that hung out together in some uh, shapes or fashions. But I think inside that clubhouse, when you walked in that door, it was all about the same thing. And that was about doing what you have to do to help your team win and do and go and get your work in 
And when you come in the game, you know you're going to have ups and downs. Be able to control, be able to have fun with the ups and control the downs. And I think that's what happened with that ball club. I think everybody was in the same pace. Everybody was uh, trying to do the same thing. And I really think it when they had they went through a, a bad spot, or we went through a bad spot, I should say. You know what? It, it was like, what was the problem? And then all of a sudden we had the problem with Buck and, we, and Harvey took over. And then everything kind of just mellowed out. What was your favorite moment from that season? There was a, I was used sparingly that year. And I think a, there was, I went through a, a spot where I was just, I was really dialed in. And I had a really good ERA for like seven or eight or nine games in a row. And then I came in, uh, we had a game in, I think it was, I believe it was Detroit. And uh, they, they started only one, one or two innings. And we were down by, by four or five runs. And I came in and pitched like six or seven innings and got the win. And then I got a start. I got a start for them. I think those were the times. But, it, you know, it's just, it was a challenge of, of, you know, being on a team that, that goes to the World Series. How often does that happen? And that challenge, I think, was just to be around those guys and see the way everybody worked towards that and see what the type of attitude you need. I think that was a special thing. I think that was more special than anything. There's always great stories, too. You know, I mean, everybody talks about Cecil's hit in the ALCS and Robin's big game on the final day of the regular season and and, and, and Raleigh's injury. And, and those are all the main storylines to that season. But there's all these other little storylines. And one of them that's fascinating to me is the game that Mark Brohart put together in the ALCS as well when, when Ogilvy was hurt. The Beastie Boy. I mean, there's a guy who is a good hitter. He's really a good hitter. Will you call him a classic outfielder? Probably not. But you know what? Here's a guy who got an opportunity, and he took advantage of the opportunity. And see, that's the way that club was. It was just not a matter of of one to twenty-five. It was probably one to thirty-five. And everybody, you're going to get a chance during the season. And you know, and Ted Simmons put it perfectly. He says, you know, one game may make a difference. How did we win it? We won it by one game with with, with Don Sutton on the last day and Robin hitting two home runs, Ben Ogilvy making the, the great catch. You know, and when you look at how we ended and what all those games throughout the season meant, yeah, it was. It was about a great effort by everybody that was around, and your one appearance might have made a difference. You mentioned the catch that Ogilvy made. Gantner told me he thinks that's one of the more overlooked plays of that season was the, the play that Benji made against Baltimore. Well, if you go to the old Memorial Stadium, you go down the left field line, probably from the foul line to the, to the wall, it was, there, it was about a foot. And Benji, there was I don't know how he caught it. You know, we, you look at him and he, we, we call him Spider-Man. And it had to be that way because he, he went down, slid, and he kind of... I don't, I don't know how he caught it, but he caught it sliding and his feet banging up into the wall. Had hardly any space. And uh, I'll tell you what, I agree with Jimmy said. I think that was one of the, the plays that is overlooked. Uh, but you know what? It was. You talk to Benji, he says, ah, it's just my job. Watching Robin kind of put the team on his back on that day, I mean, you guys knew how great he was, but that's just one of those moments where everything you think about somebody comes true again. <laughs> I mean, what was it like to, to sit there and watch him put a performance like that together on that stage in that moment? You know, I think if you ever met Robin, or if you know Robin as a person, you know the way he is on the field. And that's exactly the way he is on the field. It was about playing the game and playing it hard every day. And, you know, he just had that unique ability to go out there 
and perform. You know, you talk about our leaders on the field. Yeah, you got to talk about. You really have to talk about Robin and Paulie. But were they our leaders on the, in the in the clubhouse? No, it was Ted Simmons was our leader in the clubhouse. So everybody had a facet. But Robin was just one of those special guys that came up with a special performance on a very very special day, and he did it off a pretty good pitcher in Jim Palmer. So when you look at what he did, uh, I'm just amazed at the guy because. I can remember games when I finish a game and I walk off and he come up and he was so excited for me getting a win. It was like he pitched nine innings and that's the way Robin was. He was such in the game, a real true sportsman and a real true friend and a real true baseball player. Everybody knows Pete Vukovic, tremendous season that year and one of the more unique guys to watch work with all the things that Vuk would do. Uh, was it fun for the pitchers to sit back and, and watch him work and, and all the stuff that he would do? Would it would ever blow you away? I, I, you know, I would marvel. I was very close to Vuki, and I would marvel at him. I can remember him pitching a game where he went out there and he in the first three or four innings he probably walked five or six, and you you look at he was all over the place, and the final score was Brewers eight, Yankees two. And he'd be, you know, you go out there. He just had that unique ability that you know, if he was two-two, you know, it was a slider off the outside black, and then he would he go three-two. It's going to be on the black. He just he was like Raleigh. He had that great command of the pitching and understood what he had to do to pitch. And uh, Vuki was an intense competitor and would do whatever he had to do to win. And uh, uh, he was really, really fun to watch. What did Harvey Keen mean to all you guys, Dad? I, I think Harvey was the guy who really had had it in for everybody as far as who is on the team and it didn't make a difference who you are or what you did or how you did it. He was a guy that felt it was as important to talk to number 25 as it was to talk to number one. In fact, you know what, I think Harvey really would talk to everybody but I think he was more concerned about the guys who did not play every day to make sure that they know that they were as much a part of the team as anybody. And he really made sure that you knew that. Finally, losing game seven, you're here in Milwaukee, you have the big celebration anyway. Did that help you guys kind of put that behind you? Or did it help you appreciate the fact that you had come so far and not have a bitterness because you had lost in the World Series? Boy, you know, that's that's a real tough one because I think if you, you look at it as a team, I think everybody really hurt because we, we thought we could win the World Series. I think that was number one. I think the celebration was more of saying thank you to our fans. Our fans are phenomenal. You're here now. You see it, how our fans here, they just turn out. They love the game. They love sport. They love the game of baseball, and they show up. And I think what that was more than anything was just to say thank you to the fans because I'm going to tell you what, if you were were at that parade, you would think we won won the World Series. There were so many people. I could not believe it. And they were all over the place. They were hanging out windows on fifth floors, and it was just crazy. But I think more so it was really a love affair between a baseball team and the community and the state. And I think the, the last day of the parade was an appreciation of everything that had gone on that year. Augie, we appreciate it. Anytime. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101.
this week we look at the statistic of run differential. And while we're just a little over a week into the season, it's perhaps maybe a little too early to dive too deep into any statistic. It's still fun to take a look at. Some like to look at run differential as a better indicator of where a team's record may end up at season's end. And the Brewers' run differential is currently at minus 5, but they've scored 33 runs, which is the second most in the NL Central. The Cardinals, for example, have a negative 19 run differential right now, while the Cubs are at a plus 10. As guys like Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton start to warm up a little bit, like they have shown over the last couple of days, and if Willie Peralta and Jimmy Nelson continue to pitch well, look for the Brewers' run differential to improve. It's far too early to draw any concrete conclusions from this stat right now and where it stands, but it's easy to understand and fun to follow as the season unfolds. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, In 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good it's job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was... Uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Joined by Brewers first baseman Jesus Aguilar, off to a very good start. Let's rewind to spring training. Coming in, uh, knowing what you needed to do in order to make this club, what what was your mindset? What was your goal going into spring? I just blew my mind. I, I have to show what I can do for the team, you know, and then... And then I just prepare myself and then go to the field and control what I can control. That's it. Um, I just have a very good sprint training, so now i got to keep going. And you've been in the lineup a lot through, through the first week of the season, carrying over a lot of that success you were having in spring so far at the plate. What has been the key to your success, in your opinion, so far? The confidence. The confidence. Until I, I get here, Kansi uh, talked to me, you're going to play a lot. I was doing a sprint training, so that, that made me comf- comfortable. And then I put in my mind, like, I, I, I have to show what I can do. And now he believes in myself, so now I, I have to keep going. I have to show what I can do to help the team to get more wins. How big of a deal is it for you to know that you're going to play on a pretty regular basis and, and, and that gives you a little bit of ability to settle in, maybe more than you were able to in your previous big league stints. Oh yeah, that, that made me comfortable, kind of comfortable, confident. You know, I know, I know, I'm gonna come to the, gonna come to the field. I know I, I'm gonna play. So that made me be strong mentally. That made me be prepared mentally to go there and do my things. What was your reaction when Craig Council pulled you into the office and said, "Congrats, you're gonna be a part of this club"? Because before that, you didn't know for sure. So what was your reaction? What was the first thing you did after you found out? It was great. I just laughing. I just thinking about my mom. You know, like after here, I, I got to tell her and let, let her know what was happening. You know, I was really happy about it because I worked so hard for be here. So now I got the shame. Now I got to I gotta do my things. You have been swinging at the right pitches, and that's a big part of hitting, obviously, is, is making sure you, you let the bad ones go by, and the ones that are in your wheelhouse, you take a swing at it, and typically you're going to be rewarded when you do that. Uh, what, what has been your approach at the plate so far in terms of pitch selection? The most important thing for me is watch the ball, see the ball. Until he gets the liberty, until the catcher got it. That's, that's for me, that's the key, you know, just see the ball, try to find the ball all the way through. So I think that worked for me, so I got to keep doing that. 
How have you fit into this clubhouse so far with this group of guys? A lot of young guys in the clubhouse. That's an interesting dynamic. I mean, I feel great, great, great guys inside. A lot of Latin players, a lot of American players, but we are a family, we are a unit. And I feel great. I think we, I think we got great teammates. So, so I think we're gonna win a, little, a, a lot of games. You drew some attention this week too with your defensive play, and nobody really talked about that much because you were hitting the ball so well. But you've made some great defensive plays. How comfortable are you at first? Oh, I mean, I got my whole life playing there, so I, I, I have to, to, I have to do my job in defense too. A, a lot of time I don't gonna hit, but I can, I can, I can good, I can do good plays over there. So that's in my mind. Uh, you gotta separate hitting from defense. That, that's what I do. How important is it to have somebody like Carlos Subero too that you can bounce questions off of and you can work with? I saw you taking early work with him on the field today. That made it easy, you know. That made it easy because we got a great guy, as Carlos. Is, um, you, you can go every time over here and ask whatever you want. He's gonna be there to support us. Um, that made it like kind of comfortable, you know, kind of comfortable because um, he's been in the game for so many years, so he know what he's doing. Jesus, we appreciate it. Congratulations, and uh, best of luck as the season continues. Thank you. Thank you very much. Checking in on the farm. As we check in on the Brewers affiliates down on the farm, Colorado Springs, the Sky Sox off to a good start. They did drop a game last night, 5-1 to to Memphis. They are now sitting at 3-2 and two so far on the year. They've seen some strong performances, though, from Ryan Cordell. Big home run from Brett Phillips already this year. Josh Hader's made two starts on the mound for the Sky Sox, one really good one, and one last night where he scuffled a bit and just went three innings and gave up three runs. Brandon Woodruff, his first time out for Colorado Springs, six and a third of really good baseball on the mound. A lot to be encouraged about with what we've seen from the Colorado Springs squad so far at AAA. Double-A Biloxi currently sits at 3-2. and two. There's been a mixture of good and tough performances. Uh, committed quite a few errors in their game on Monday night, but they've had, had some really good performances as well. Specifically on the mound, Jorge Lopez looks like the Jorge Lopez of 2015 again, which is a very good sign. Uh, he's been impressive. Aaron Wilkerson's been impressive on the mound as well for the Shuckers his first time through. Mauricio Dubon continuing to play that tremendous defense at shortstop, and he's come up with some big hits as well, including a two-hit night on Monday night for the Shuckers. They were off on Tuesday. And Class A, High A, Carolina, in the Carolina League, has done some really good things early on as well. They currently sit at 3-2. and two. This is a team chock full of a lot of the Brewers' younger prospects, Marcus Diplan has performed very well. He and Freddie Peralta combined for a really good performance uh, on the mound on Monday. Duplan threw five no-hit innings. Peralta and Nate Greep finished off that game. There were a few hits later in the game uh, in that contest for Carolina, but uh, Duplan's been very good. Cody Ponce on Sunday went seven strong innings for Carolina, and of course Trent Clark's doing some nice things, getting on base at the top of that lineup. Isan Diaz continuing to swing it very well, as is Lucas Ersig. That's going to be a fun team to follow over the course of 2017. And the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers currently sit at 3-3. Three and three. They split a doubleheader on Tuesday. Ronnie Gideon, who had a really nice year last year in Helena, tons of power playing first base for the Timber Rattlers this year in Class A. He had a three-run walk-off double uh, to win one of those uh, doubleheader games yesterday. They split that doubleheader uh, yesterday, did 
uh, Wisconsin that was uh, against uh, Burlington. So that's a, a look around what's going on so far in the Brewers minor leagues. Let's sit down with a member of that Timber Rattlers team in Monte Harrison. Let's start with your journey to the Brewers. Uh, being a multi-sport athlete, a lot of attention and a lot of decisions for you when you got drafted, but you were able to make a quick decision, which probably made that a little bit easier on you. Yeah, definitely. Um, originally when I got drafted, I told them, I was like, yo, I want to make this next decision before I go to college. And uh, that decision happened to be within like, I think it was like the next like three days or something like that before I left on a Sunday or something. And, um, luckily we got to get that done before I had to go to Nebraska. and. Uh, I didn't want to be a guy who's like in between, you know what I mean, to get people's hopes up. And uh, once I started on something, I wanted to just finish it through. You'd kind of seen something similar with that in your area with Bubba Starling a year prior, prior right? Wasn't uh, it a year or two? Three years prior. A couple that. years and, prior. Uh, yeah, hear about that whole situation was kind of, kind of weird. I mean, like, he was really big known around the Kansas City area. So, like, uh, who would have thought, like, I would have been in that same situation three years later? But, like, uh, I don't know. I, like, it happens, but then again, like, I pick my dream at the end of the day. Absolutely. Okay, your journey with the Brewers. You pick baseball, but injuries have been a little bit of an issue so far. Mm -hmm. You're feeling healthy now. How good does it feel to kind of have some of those injuries behind you and be ready to really focus Oh, man, it feels so good just to know, like, uh, I'd rather get them out early. You know what I mean? Like, injuries happen. You really can't stop what, what happened with me. And the uh, only thing I can really take care of is my muscles and stuff like that and go about an everyday basis of taking care of my body. And I do a really good job of that. And... Uh, try to drink more milk and go about my day a little bit stronger. Where do you feel like the biggest improvements in your game still need to be had? Uh, right now, it's my focus, man. Focus every day. Like, try not to worry about the other little things like other people and stuff like that. I've done a really good job ever since the last instructor, really just focusing on myself and my everyday routine and just getting better and better at that every, every day and focusing on that. Seems like you've done a good job of getting close to some of the guys around you in the yeah. system that you've kind of come up through with. Who are some of the guys that you're the closest with, and do you feel uh, like this is a tight-knit group? Yeah, it's really a tight-knit group. Somebody I'm really close to is probably Troy Stokes, uh, a guy that we, we got drafted together, uh, came in the AZ together, and played every level with each other. So um, it's kind of like a normal group where it's just Jake and Cody Medeiros and all those guys like that. So it's kind of just like, I don't know, it's, you, you, you feel that comfort. Like, you're like, oh, I know somebody, you know what I mean? When you move to a different level, you know, you feel that anxiety and stuff like that. New ballpark, new people, so you got to get acclimated. So it's really good to have those people around you where you got those that, that close group. Is that you just mentioned it? That can be a challenge, and and it maybe can take your mind off the actual baseball part of it a little bit. So that helps, right? Yeah, it helps a lot, man. Just to know you got people around from the, around the game, and just you can step away from the game, but being at the field at the same time. You know, Jake and Troy do a, a very good job of uh, keeping it funny. You know what I mean? I, I'm a guy who likes to laugh. I like to have fun. But when it's focus time, it's focus time. It's time to get right, you know what I mean? So um, those guys do a very good job, and I love keeping those guys around me. You're a spectacular athlete with really good power. You know, how, how do you see yourself projecting at the next level when you get to that point? Definitely, I, see, I definitely see myself as a 2020 guy who plays a great defense, you know what I mean? An all-star center fielder, but at the same time, uh, really trying not to focus about the big leagues, you know what I mean? I try to get better today and see what happens. And I keep doing that, the big leagues, big leagues are gone. Baseball is such a tough game because there can be so much frustration. I mean, even when you're succeeding, you can be frustrated uh, with different things. How do you take that all in stride and, you know, block it out and stay focused on the process? Oh, man, just to, just to think about there's a lot more going on in life than just a baseball game, you know what I mean? There's people out here who are 
got cancer, dying every day. You know, there's people here about getting shot and stuff like that every day. So when I come out here, man, I try to have fun and be like, man, it's a game, so have fun. Ever since we were little kids, we wanted to play this game in the, at the highest level, and that's what we're striving for. So I always try to keep a smile on my face. And people sometimes get, like, a bad perception because, like, oh, he's so serious. Like, nah, when it comes to, like, my cage work and stuff like that, I have to be, like, in that tone. If not, it, like, it's not going to go very well for me. I got to ask you, last year in Goodyear, you hit the foul ball 500 feet. Oh, my gosh. And you had the bat flip, and it was a classic moment. Young guy playing on the major league side. <laughs> what did you learn from that, and, and, and are you able to look back on it and laugh now? Yeah, it's definitely a learning moment. Um, we always joke around, you know, like, oh, man, if I get in a big league game, blah, blah, and I hit a ball this far, this is what I'm going to do. And actually, when I got in the game and it happened, it was kind of just like a reaction, and I was like, Ah oh, man, I can't believe I'm gonna hear about that when I go to the back to the minor league side. But I know it happens. It's a learning experience. I got to hear from Charlie and all those guys. So at the end of the day, like I really don't worry about it. Keep a smile on my face and keep it moving. Fair foul. You hit it a really long ways. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Money, we thank, we, thank we you. Thank you. Appreciate it. My thanks to Monte Harrison for joining us on the podcast this week. Okay, let's look at what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Well, the Cardinals come to town when the Brewers get back in town Thursday, April 20th at 7.10 p.m. That's the first game of that series. Then Friday, another 7.10 start. That's a five-county Friday. Saturday, 6.10, Beatles night. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, Sunday, the 23rd, that is at 1.10. That's Jonathan VR stolen base counter bobble day. And it's another Kids Eat Free Sunday as well. So that should be a day you're going to want to come out to. All kids 14 and under get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, applesauce, and an ice cream treat. That Jonathan VR stolen base counter bobblehead, I've already seen it. Very cool. You get a click on the counter uh, as he continues to pursue maybe another year where he's on top of Major League Baseball in stolen bases. For tickets, call 414-902-4000 or visit Brewers.com. That's going to do it for us. And this week's edition of the podcast, episode number 77 in the books, we'll talk to you next week with episode number 78. Have a good one, everybody.